1: And today I want to introduce our hosts. And I want to do that at the beginning of the show because we have a very special new lady that is talking with us today. And I, I think that you'll really enjoy listening to uh, both Molly Peterson and Tracy Halpain in this conversation. So Tracy Halpain has been a lady of liberty for some time, and she's on our show today. She is a mom, a grandma. She runs, I don't know how she does this, but she runs three different businesses and also owns a large ranch with um, lots of cattle and bucking bulls that they train for PBR and different events. She's got an extremely full life and a wonderful family. And Molly Peterson uh, is with us today. And Molly was um, born way back in 1943. I shouldn't say way back. I'm not that far off of you, Molly. Um, but but uh, she married a CIA case officer whose career led her to live in lots of different places in the world. And she learned to speak Spanish and French. And she taught women's Bible studies in Paris, Mexico City, and Santo Domingo. And she continues to teach Bible studies in uh, Tracy Tahlequah in Oklahoma. Um, And I've been there. I just never knew exactly how to say it. And, uh, you know, she she just is a really uh, interesting lady with lots to offer in opinions. And me, I'm Linda Martinelli. I am a business owner, and I am a mom, also a wife, and I hail from Texas. Tracy also hails from Oklahoma. So, Molly, I have to ask you. You married a CIA uh, officer. Is it an officer? What Was your husband a, an officer? He was I, a case officer. He was a case officer. And that, you, that you means, went to, yeah, to that, live all over the world. Where did you go?
2: Well, our first uh, assignment was in uh, Libya. Uh, we lived in Benghazi, Libya before anybody ever heard of it before in the States, but we got there just a few weeks after Colonel Qaddafi's revolution, and uh, we stayed nine months. Uh, those nine months were absolutely indelible in my mind and in my memory as being uh, eye-opening, uh, instructive, uh, just Wonderful because I'd never been out of the states before. Uh, we got kicked out, we call it uh, declared persona non grata P-N-G, out of Libya, along with uh, all the American school teachers and any of the American companies, oil companies. Uh, we all got thrown out of Libya, uh, by Gaddafi. So, uh, what, what year but was I know that. that uh, That was, let's see, that was in 1969, right at about August or September of 1969.
1: Why did Gaddafi throw people out?
2: Oh, because he's just a dictator and he didn't want any other uh, influences except his own. And so about that time, they tore down all the American street signs and Coca-Cola signs and put them up in Arabic so that only uh, people who spoke Arabic well could read the signs and know where they were going. So, I mean, this happened in other countries, but uh, it happened to us. And so we had always been told, although that was our first tour, we'd always been told that if you haven't been pg would from some country, you're not doing your work well. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so uh, Jerry was, uh, it wasn't because he wasn't doing his work well, but he was learning on the job. Uh, just like I was learning a lot about myself and about living in a foreign country. Um, what a case officer is, Linda, is somebody who works for the CIA and they are actually sent to the countries and sent to go out and find, uh, in our case, it would find communists from other countries. And uh, maybe at that time we had a Soviet bloc, and so we might find a Czechoslovakian, for example. And uh, Jerry, Jerry's desire was to recruit him to our side to um, tell us secrets about his country that we could use to, um, uh, I don't know, to make our, uh, to decide, uh, what, what the, uh, reactions of our country should be to what they say and what they do. So, uh, his modus operandi was to go, he usually went to, he would go to the Czechoslovakian embassy, say in Paris, we were stationed in Paris. And, uh, he would find out who the Czechoslovakian, his Czechoslovakian counterpart was, and he would invite him out to lunch. And so they would go to lunch. Over lunch, they'll get to know each other. The Czechoslovakians wondering how he can recruit Jerry to his side, and Jerry's wondering the same thing, except recruit him to our side. So they sort of feel each other out, and they got along well and had a few laughs along with their few beers. Uh, Jerry would invite him home with his wife to our house, and I did all the cooking, and uh, so we would. The four of us would get to know each other. That might go on for several weeks or months, seeing each other occasionally. If there was um, uh, an American holiday, the Fourth of July, Thanksgiving, something that uh, that was particularly American we would invite his family over to show them, quote, how the Americans do it, unquote. <laughs> and we would serve the turkey and the stuffing or the, the grilled hot dogs or whatever. And uh, it, was, it was so interesting. And when we got to know them really well, we'd invite their kids too, uh, especially if we invited them on a Sunday afternoon or something like that. Um, the sad part is that once Jerry had recruited him, and he said, "Yes, they usually said yes, um because of philosophical reasons they really admire the United States and admire our freedoms and would like Czechoslovakia, for example, to be more like America in having freedom of religion and the freedoms that we enjoy, or else they needed the money, and there was money attached to it. sometimes Jerry would say, You know, I'll give you." this much money a month and uh, and you'll each time we talk you'll have some secrets to, to share with me. Now all this was done Jerry had to keep a constant um, communication with Washington so that everything he did uh, was, was formally approved by uh, the director of the CIA whoever that was in Washington so uh, that's what we did. We were in Libya first, and then we went to Morocco. Morocco was—it uh, was just wonderful. It wasn't quite as uh, as fundamentalist as uh, as Qaddafi was. Qaddafi certainly turned Libya into a real theocratic society, and uh, kind of like Iran is today where they had the police out to make sure that the women were not showing uh too much of their face or whatever and but Morocco was more westernized at that point
3: Molly how did the people
1: feel about that in in Libya how did the people when Gaddafi came in and then they uh started changing everything how did the the residents feel about that
2: I don't know we were only there nine months and uh course, I didn't speak Arabic, but I will say something that happened to us in Libya that was kind of interesting. I had a a new baby. our uh, Polly was only six weeks old when we went. And so I put her in a backpack, a child carrying backpack. And then Ellie was two, our oldest. And so I would push her in the stroller with a backpack on my back. And so I noticed that all the construction workers and all the men that we passed were just punching each other and laughing and pointing at us. They were just having a great old time at our expense. Of course, I didn't know what they were talking about. So I asked one of our Moroccan friends what they were talking about when they were pointing at me. And he said, "Oh, they were just laughing because it seemed funny to them that a prostitute would walk around with a baby on her back pushing a baby stroller. <laughs> because it, in their mind, there was no doubt that I was a prostitute. Because, for one thing, uh, I didn't have uh, I didn't have a mask on or or, or uh, one of their we call them jalabas that goes over your head." And I wore sandals, so my feet were showing. And so there was no question in their mind that I was just a prostitute. And how funny that a prostitute oh. <laughs> would show off her babies like that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, then we went to Morocco, and it was not like that in Morocco. It was quite easygoing. And and uh, the women went to school, and they worked. But the ones that were more fundamentalist, who were married, especially to men who were more fundamentalist in their Islamic faith. They wore uh, long, it, they looked like um, uh, tablecloths, but they're black over their whole body, over their head. And, the, and it went down to their toes. And the only thing that you uh, could see was their right eye. They were allowed to walk to the market and do their shopping and pick up their kids at their school with only their right eye showing. And I asked one of the guys one time, I said, Hat, when you pick up your wife at the, at the marketplace, how do you know which one she is? Cause they all look the same to me. And he said, and they say, buy her shoes. <laughs> so yeah. That's the only thing
3: that showed. Isn't that anyway? interesting, Linda?
1: That, uh, I love hearing these stories. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a different world than we're exposed to. And mm-hmm. I, yeah. And I, and I, I love hearing it. So, but you're mm-hmm. saying that that was an easier place to live than than Libya, and then you moved yeah, on easier. somewhere else. Yeah. Then we went to to uh, Paris. Uh,
2: no. Yeah, we went to Paris. That's when we went, and then we were there three years, and I learned French in Morocco. Uh, you know, uh, Morocco used to be uh, run by the by the French. It used to be a colonial. Uh, French country, and so uh, the Moroccans speak very good French, uh, and that is the diplomatic language French is, um, but they all speak Arabic too, of course, and uh, so I learned really good French and and uh, in Morocco, and then we went to Paris, and we hit the ground running. We were already speaking fluent French by the time we reached Paris, and so we just got right to work, and uh, Jerry started meeting his counterparts, and I started teaching a women's Bible study. And uh, I just want to say about that, uh, I am interested in politics and on what goes on, but all of that comes out of my faith. I'm more interested in my faith. And in the things that have to do with God and the well-being of my family and my children and our country, those are the things I believe in. And it just so happens that those are Republican things. <laughs> so I'm a good Republican, first of all, because I'm a good Christian. I think there are plenty of Republicans that aren't Christians, but that happens to be uh, why I'm why I'm a Republican. And then after Paris, we went to Mexico City. We spent six years in Mexico City. And uh, so I learned Spanish real well. (laughs) (laughs) It was so amazing. It really was. And then our last tour was in the Dominican Republic in Santo Domingo. And uh, then after that, uh, Jerry retired. He took early retirement. And then we went back and lived in Mexico for a number of years on our own steam. And I'll tell you that when uncle Sam paid the rent in Mexico city, we had, had a real nice house. <laughs> when uncle Jerry paid the rent, it was kind of uh, a, <laughs> kind of a downturn, but we still enjoyed it very much. And now our, um, uh, one of our daughters is married to a Mexican. Uh, they've been married a long time. They have, uh, two kids and, uh, they live 50 feet away from us in our backyard.
3: <laughs> oh, I love hearing the stories because I'm sitting here thinking, okay, that was in 69 that you were in living mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. You think a young married woman today, oh. could they handle that with that two-year-old in the six week? No, they wouldn't
2: anyway, because they'd say, what? Me give up my career? Are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. Right. And so now... You know, I did everything for free. I loved my husband and I loved the Lord. And someone said to me one time, how did you, you think you're such a good Christian. How do you feel about lying to people all the time? He said that to, to Jerry and Jerry said, what do you mean? And they said, well, just telling lies just to get them to work for you. And, uh, and I said, that's not the reason that we went to work for the agency. Uh, I said both of us were very, very, and still are very patriotic. And we did it because we believed that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And the best thing I could want for my, my neighbor is liberty. And so that's what we worked for. And I'm telling you that Jerry retired early in 1950. He, after 22 years of service, but, um, when he retired, we were both surprised to find out that he was going to get an annuity. <laughs> I mean, it was good news. We never had thought much about it. And that's certainly not the reason we went. But I know a lot of women that wouldn't do what I did.
3: No, not mm. at all.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I actually know a few that have done uh, similar things. We, we have another Lady of Liberty that, that has, has lived around the world in kind of the same way um she, her life is totally different than yours though molly but you know i mean it, when we come back from this break uh, i want to talk to tracy a little bit about her experience because i i think that that her experience as a young woman was really really interesting and her experience today is also really interesting so be right back
4: Visit genesisfolgercom forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Falker with promo code OutLoud. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Alright, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulpitone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Copix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Copix RX banner ad on AmericaOutLoud.com and save 20% by using promo code OutLoud.
1: Welcome back to Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. And I'm talking with Molly uh, and Tracy here with about about just life and experiences that may be different than the people that are listening. And I'm sure in many cases are, as we all have different experiences, but I, I just find both of these ladies really fascinating. And so we've heard Molly talk about her upbringing and uh, not really her upbringing, but her her married life and her travels around the world at a time when um you know it was a very different time than than it is now and she got to see some things that uh have really changed so living in Lib- libya before qaddafi was there gave her a view of it that we no longer have uh, because he he really changed that that uh, country but tracy you also to me had a really interesting time as a youngster um you as a very young woman uh fell in love and and
3: ran away and eloped <laughs> yes i did so yeah my upbringing is totally different than Molly's um i was brought up on a farm and we worked you know um we always had to go to work my older brothers and i we we had a uh, milk cows we had a dairy farm and then we had poultry houses so we gathered eggs and these are very large chicken houses so we always worked we we were organic before organic was cool. We, <laughs> we always, seriously, I mean, we ate out of the garden. That's now they call it organic, but that's just how we were raised. Uh, my dad butchered his own meat. And um, so we had pork and beef and, and so that's how I was brought up and we worked hard. Um, you know, I didn't have store bought milk till I went to college. I think I was in high school or eighth grade before I got a store bought dress my, all my clothes were made. So I was brought up just to work hard and to be honest. And that's how I was, uh, you know, we loved God and we were honest with people and we, and we, uh, we, we worked hard and I, I was always pretty successful. I was at the top of my classes at college and in high school. And, but I don't think it was cause of intelligence. I think it was just because of my worst ethic. And uh, so that's how I was brought up and that carried on. My husband and I, we eloped and we, uh, I was teaching school and we started our own businesses and 28 years later, as far as being a business owner, you know, we're, we've got several employees around 50 now. And so it's, it's the spirit of America is what I like to hear. You know, spirit is something you feel. You can feel a person's spirit. You get around a person, you're automatically they're attracted to them. And America used to have that spirit that attracted people. It was our spirit. It was a God given spirit to our land. And so people are attracted to America. There's liberty here. There's freedom and yeah America has its god given you know a god given spirit, and we all do and uh, my spirit was to work hard and I am a servant before I am a leader, but I have been promoted in the kingdom of God or however you want to say it into a leader pers- leadership position, but I still have a servant's heart. I will work with the bottom as I will work with the top, and I'm I count it a privilege to work with either one so that's been my upbringing. And when Molly was talking about, you know, her as a young woman going into a foreign country, I couldn't even imagine, you know, I, I felt like I was pretty tough, but I didn't have that smarts about me at all. And to be going into a foreign country and working, I know she didn't either. And cause that was your first time in the foreign country. But I think now I don't know how many women could do that. And if you look Linda, like over a hundred year span, I would just like to see, 100 years ago in 1922 compared to 20, 2022, the men, you know, they're different. They're, and I see this because I hire people. I hire young people to come in. And so I hate to say this, but the men are a little bit littler. They're a little bit more feminine. Mm. I mean, I'm just putting it out here. A hundred years span, we've really declined as a human race does that make sense to you oh it absolutely
1: does and you know i have to agree with you because i also hire people and but but i've talked about this a lot that we we as women when we had the women uh, that formed the national organization of women and they they wanted uh free love and and free sex and you should be able to do whatever you want with whoever you want whenever you want and there shouldn't be any boundaries on people, which is really what they're doing even more now, um, that it's okay to abort your baby up till nine months. I mean, I, I, I'm about to have a grandbaby. I see his pictures all the time. I, I can't even tell you, I, I can't even imagine that, that, that happening and people being okay with it. So what we did when the women um, went into the workplace and decided that they don't need men, and um, you know, it it just became that we we kind of put them down so much that that they became uh, just a, a meeker sex than they were. Okay, and and I see that very often. We we don't appreciate anymore. In fact, we criticize in this country that strong. Uh, American male with a good work ethic that takes care of his family, that believes in God, we criticize that in this country. And and so what do they do? They back down. And you have Christmas parties that men don't even want to go to because if they look sideways at a woman, they get accused of harassment or or some some, uh, thing that they get disciplined for at work. So, yeah, we we have... um, really feminized our men. And I think it's, it's a tragedy. It's absolutely a tragedy. Um, But, but keep going on there, Tracy, because I, you know, the, the thing that I admire so much about you, and, and we've talked about this is, is your work ethic. I mean, you have an incredible work ethic and, and you are an, just an ethical woman, no matter what in, in everything that you do. Uh, you've raised some of the best young men that I've ever known, and and that's because you and your husband have have given them that faith in God and that work ethic, and taught them to be men. Because your boys can do just about anything. Um, all, all those things we we're just talking about—they're not afraid to get their hands dirty. They they dig in and do anything that's needed, and and they're willing to take risks, and they're willing to um you know j- get dirty and they're willing to to work hard and it's just that that's such a gift that that i miss in today's society and i want to know what you Tracy and you Molly think about that
3: well it's when you have boys and i didn't have a girl but um when you have boys and i've got a John Wayne Jerry's what i call him because he's he's old school and he's John Wayne and and uh, we have Our boys have seen the finer things in life, but they're very modestly, I want them to live a modest life. I live a modest life. I think living a nice little quiet life is godlike. I really do. I don't want to be all out in the public. I don't want to be in the paper. I I want to live a life that's quiet and modest, and I want that to go on to my kids. I want them to be humble and have humility and be grateful, and and I let their daddy be a daddy, and it was hard sometimes. It was hard to let my husband get on them, you know, when he was trying to teach them things or don't be scared, get in there and do that, you know, get on that a piece of equipment or whatever it might be, or get in that truck and, or get in that race car, learn how to grab a wrench and a Phillips screwdriver and and work on that engine or get no get over there and you take a rope and you get that bull over here. I mean. It's hard to see that done sometimes because I'm kind of a scaredy cat, number one, and then I'm like, oh, I don't want my babies hurt, but that's part mama in us all. And then, but, you know, there's the absence of a father in that masculine figure in these children's and especially the boys' lives that that has declined our and I just hate saying that, but it has declined our men. You know, it has Mm -hmm. turned them to more be more feminine and, Mm -hmm. and not be that masculine and even aggressive. And, you know, we're all of us are so easily offended anymore. You know, you can't tell anybody boo without them Mm -hmm. crying or go, like you said, going or getting in trouble and work. Hey, it's work, you know, you got to get down there and get to work, whatever it may be, even if you're an office person, then you should come to work goal oriented that day. You should have a list of tasks and you should, your goal is to get those tasks done and give the best day to whoever you're working for. And so we have declined as a nation because we're too self-indulgent. We would rather put our kid over there on the couch and give him a phone to keep him quiet than to teach him something we don't want to take the time to teach them because our life is so fast paced and we do need to stop and take the time and teach our young children and teach our grandchildren because it's worth the investment. And I have to preach this to myself, okay, because I get really tied up into business and working and I think, nope, I need to have my grandbaby here in the office. And so she needs to see granny in a strong row. You know, she needs to see in her leadership role. She needs to see how she handles problems and how to put out fires and She needs to go with her papa, and it's, yes, it hinders you sometimes in the progression of work, but it's worth the investment when they get older, and we've quit investing in our youth. Our youth is what is going to, um, our youth is going to make us or break us in this country, and we can see how right now we're having a breakdown in our country, but I'm telling you, they've started with our children, and you can see it, Mm -hmm. our 20-year-olds and under you, oh, it's going to be going to be bad when they get to be older. And so, you know, I just had I'm thankful for my old school raising. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll have to say uh, we
2: raised our kids overseas. Uh, they were always there with us. Uh, they also speak French and Spanish. And um, our daughters uh, are teachers here in Tahlequah High School. And um, we have a lot of Hispanic kids here. And one of our daughters is the liaison between the Hispanic families and Hispanic students and the Tahlequah School Board. And our other one is an art teacher. She has a lot of Hispanics in her uh, classes too. But the thing I think I'm most proud of in my kids, and we raised our kids, except for Paris, they were all third world countries. And they saw so much poverty. And they saw how an American dollar could help somebody that didn't even make a dollar a day, and so uh, we, I taught them to love those, love those people. I had a ministry with street kids, uh, beggar boys, in the Dominican Republic, and our twelve-year-old boy was right there in the middle of them, and uh, so I say uh, that. The thing I'm most proud of is that our kids are all humble. They appreciate what they've got. But even now, they have shop at thrift stores and and get my uh, clothes and shoes that other people have worn and be very happy about it. <laughs> so, uh, But I'll have to say that um, our experience, Jerry is uh, very macho, my husband. Not in a bad way. But he was the leader of our family. He was the leader in every sense. And uh, since he was the leader, I told the Lord early on, um, I'll submit to this man as if I was submitting to you. And if there are any changes that need to be made or any assignments that need to be uh, accepted, I'll just follow him. And so it's really easy to be a submissive wife because your husband is the one that has to do all the hard work. And I just followed along. I'm not uh, timid. Uh, I'm not what you might expect a submissive wife to be. But I read uh, in Ephesians that the, uh, Paul said, submit yourselves one to another. Wives, submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives and I think that husbands have the hardest part (laughs) we're kind of hard to love sometimes but um, anyway that's I think that we need to work on these young people marriages too and as older women Tracy we can tell them what's important and what's not
3: yes and I've learned that Mm -hmm. I've hated to be that bold but I have learned that with younger married people I guess as my children have started Uh, with their significant other that I've been more bold and saying, look, it's all about timing. (laughs) Sometimes it gets really sensitive. (laughs) I just kind of
1: blurt out everything that I need to, to to my kids and their spouses. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm very open about it. And I think that we have to be, and I think that our advice and what we've learned um, along the way is really valuable. You know, sometimes they want to, have a different opinion and, and that's fine. What, what I think I learned, um, you you mentioned that, that you uh, in your role submitted, and I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that in a bad way to, to your husband, the leader. And, and I think in, in my house, um, my, I, I would think, I think the way that, that we run it is that we're very, very equal and very respectful of each other's uh, opinions, and and it kind of goes that if this makes sense, that whatever the issue is, whoever it's more important to wins, and the other person just drops it because usually somebody really has has something important. I'll give you a little mm-hmm. tiny example that happened um, just recently. Uh, we're having a this wonderful young man is working on our property. Um, And, and one of the things he was tasked to do was, uh, move all of these rocks that are about, I don't know, three or four inches, you know, they're, they're like river rock, um, and, and kind of clean out that area underneath it and, um, get all the weeds out. And he wants to make some money. And so he's, he's been coming every day for a while and we give him tasks and it, it really is helping his life and he's very good and responsible. So, um he takes all the rocks out and he fixes everything. And I tell him that, you know, I want him to put the rocks back. Well, my husband tells him differently that he doesn't like those rocks and he wants different rocks. So mm. we we both go outside and we look at the rocks and my husband says, I don't like those rocks and I don't want those. I want the rocks to all be brown. And now they're, <laughs> they're kind of multicolored. And I said, really? Is that... Why would we spend money when we have perfectly good rocks that look perfectly nice? And why would we spend money on that? Is that really the hill you want to die on? Here, I mean, come on. And he looked at me. and said, "Nope, it's not the hill I want to die on." Go ahead. <laughs> and you know, you just you don't turn it into an argument. It's just mm-hmm. um, it was more important to me that we didn't spend the money on rocks, for heaven's sakes, in this time yeah. of recession, than that that we make a change in something so unimportant you know so that's why that's why the
2: bible is is just as wonderful and relevant today than it was when it was written so many thousands of years ago Uh, because we all in our marriages we work under the umbrella submit yourselves one to another And so we're, you know, if you love each other so much that you get into a submitting contest, (laughs) that's when it's really fun and you really see the love of God in your life.
4: In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer Surely, if you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. You can listen in on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all.
0: Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. Brush, floss, repeat. We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track in an easy, effective, and very tasty way, switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers. Don't miss an episode of the Ladies of Liberty Sound Off. Subscribe to the podcast. And for the latest news and inspiration, join us back at americaoutloud.com.
1: We're back one more time. And, you know, I have a question here. Uh, I'm so really interested in this conversation and and I'm loving hearing all the stories. And I think it's so apropos to, to hear from people with, lots of life experience because I think our young people really need to do that. Uh, What they learn in school is not something I'm admiring these days. And my question that I have for Tracy and you, Molly, are is so today we're in a really different place than we were 30 years ago, 40 years ago. We are really in, I I think we're in a big mess in this country. Uh, We've gone kind of uh, away from religion, away from God. We've gone towards things like uh, making sure that uh, the, the less than 1% of the population, say in the LGBTQ community, uh, have more rights than we do. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's really um, scary. There's, there's a lot of, you know, we have Black Lives Matter and they're telling us that they matter more than other people, because you can't say all oh, lives matter. It's, it's really, we're in a crazy place where you don't even know what to say anymore, what to do. Um, you don't know who's going to protect you anymore. It's a pretty uncomfortable world right now. And, and I, I, I just want to have both of your takes on that right now. Um, Linda, I was just reading
2: uh, on uh, Duck, Duck, Go search engine will use. Uh, it's, it's a brief um, answer to what is critical race theory, and it makes sense. Critical race theory is a school of thought meant to emphasize the effects of race on one's social standing. It arose as a challenge to the idea that in the two decades since the civil rights movement and associated legislation, Racial equality had been solved, and affirmative action was no longer necessary. Um, I was raised uh, when I was a kid. Uh, My daddy was a high school football coach in Oklahoma, and we take our high school football really seriously here, as they do in Texas. But whenever we had a, a losing season, we got kicked out of town. So I remember uh, before, during the time of Martin Luther King, mom said, I said, I don't want to leave my friends and go to to a, a new place to go to school. And I was just in grade school. And mom said, oh, Molly, you don't mean that. Do you know that when you go to Bristow, you'll be able to go to school with little uh, with little Negro children? And I said, I will? She said, yeah. And I said, oh, I can't wait to go. (laughs) So It all comes down, I think, in our lives to not necessarily uh, what the law of the land was, but how loving and forward-thinking our parents were. And my parents were both Oklahoma Democrats, and at that time, My daddy used to say there wasn't a nickel's worth of difference between a Democrat and a Republican. Well, there's a billion dollars worth of difference now. And uh, as a Republican, I can see that we've made a lot of progress in the race uh, movement. My goodness, from the time we had separate drinking fountains and separate uh, kitchens uh, before the civil rights legislation passed, to now where where we all go to, to restaurants and schools and church with people of all different colors. Uh, to say that we haven't made any progress is just denying the obvious to me. And uh, I have to say, I won't mention who it happened to, but somebody real close to me, uh, a young woman was married to a black man and they lived in New York City. And, uh, so the woman went to rent an apartment, uh, in Queens and, um, oh, the, the owner of the apartment was the first generation Greek and, oh, he was so happy to talk, to see this beautiful, obviously intelligent young woman who had a good job and, and, uh, the woman said, okay, well, he said, okay, well, you can have the apartment, just bring the deposit by tomorrow. And the young woman said, Okay, I'll bring my husband. And uh she didn't think anything about it. She she just she brought her husband and and the man went apoplectic. He said, Oh no, 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 that's already rented. Oh no, and he's backing up, afraid that she'll give him the seven hundred dollars deposit. And he said, No, no, it's rented, you can't have it, you can't have it. So they decided to do what the law allowed and they went to the uh, New York City Housing Authority and and put a, made a complaint against this uh, apartment owner and uh, the housing authority gave them a lawyer free lawyer and so that was uh, uh, the judge decided that uh, that the greek owner had been wrong and I think that they made him pay ten or $15,000. And so, you know, you can say, well, it was just one man. And maybe it happens a million times. Maybe it does. But the law is there to support the people who are discriminated against. And I don't think that was a rich man. And I bet that hurt his pocketbook so badly that he'll think twice next time before he decides to discriminate against someone because of their color or any other reason.
3: I do. I think we had made strides and as far as strides and as far as our, um, in far as far as race. And I think we all bleed red and different, uh, politicians have came in and it's gave us a separation. And I don't like the separation. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely hurt us. And I've always come to the thought that we need to love everybody, like Molly said, and that we do all bleed red and we have. Definitely went backwards as far as race has went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why well, do you think that is, is, Tracy? I think that it's it's political. It's a political move of people's that they operate different than we do, Linda. I mean, they uh, their uh, intent or their motive is is uh it's out to destroy I, I don't know how to explain that really it's it's a motivated thought out plan to divide us is what it is and i don't know where it's come from somebody that's evil and their are ultimate Plan is to destroy our country, and that's where you know they're using one of those tactics is to divide us by race instead of all thinking that we do bleed red.
2: Uh, I really like our Oklahoma Governor Governor Stitt, and uh, he's going to do everything he can to get the critical race theory keep it out of our schools. However, both our daughters, um, our school teachers, and they don't want to have a muzzle put on them to say what they can say and what they can't say and what questions they can answer and what they can't answer. But uh, So we haven't seen much of the critical race theory at all in Oklahoma yet. We've, we've heard a lot about it on Fox News. But what we were beginning to see that bothers me more is that on the tail end of the critical race theory, and I don't know how if this even fits into it, they're saying that, that uh, you can't Discriminate against anybody for any sexual reason. That way, uh, transgender people are just are just fine, and homosexual people and homosexual marriages are just fine. And and uh, so I don't know what that has to do with the critical race theory, but I do know that in our schools, even the small towns in Oklahoma, it's become very trendy to uh, pretend. To be gay or lesbian, and come to school dressed as the as the opposite sex, and that's very disturbing to the teachers too. I'm sure, certainly the governor
1: Stitt, most of all to me. So, yeah. but the but in the schools, they you you can't do anything about it now. I I I don't understand the whole, you know, every, all the different school districts have different rules i guess but you know understanding mm-hmm. that you can't discriminate but uh, that they're also to the point where the schools are allowed to you know help these kids uh move towards being the opposite gender to the point of giving them drugs to do so um without the yeah, parents I, knowledge without mm, the parents I've knowledge
2: Yeah, I've heard that That happens. I can't think that that happens in Oklahoma. Tulsa school district is our most liberal school district, and I haven't heard anything from them. Those Tulsa teachers are just like Tahlequah teachers. Uh, I love Oklahomans because uh, they know what's important and what's not. It seems like, and uh, there was. uh, I know that in our the school district we don't have unisex bathrooms or anything like that that some of the more liberal school districts might have had
3: how is texas linda are are they uh, pushing crt or not no no
1: they in fact it's it's uh, disallowed so you know i i i know that some school districts are doing things on their own against what the governor has stated but um they're, they're not allowed to um, by law in Texas. You know, it's, it's. I think that Texas and Oklahoma still believe that the parents should be the parents of the children, where mm-hmm. uh, it seems like California, New York, some other states, they, they mm-hmm. want the school to kind of be the parent. And, and that's actually what um, what the Marxists do is that the school yeah. is supposed to be kind of the parent, the parents are supposed to go to work and the school takes the kids and they indoctrinate them the entire day. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what's happening a lot in this country now, which is something that I talk about a lot. Uh, I've seen it coming for many years and mm-hmm. did my little part to sound a warning, but you know, my voice is not uh, a big enough voice to make a difference. But it, it is really, really uh, scary what's happening with the kids. And, you know, as, as bad as I think that the, uh, the governments of the states and the federal government absolutely ruined our economy and our workforce with what they did with the shutdowns during COVID, uh, oh, I, yeah. I do think that it brought up a point that parents saw what was happening with their kids more than they had been seeing it. They really had blinders on. And now a lot of parents see it and they are homeschooling much more and they are taking mm-hmm. schools, uh, kids out of classes and schools that teach this stuff. And, and um, if you remember um her last name was Ibrahim, was Tatiana Ibrahim, in in uh, the state of Virginia, who went on TV. She was one of the first people that stood up against the school board in Loudoun County, and she was all over TV. And they told her that her time was up, and she couldn't talk. And she said, no, your time is up. And she continued on and, and really was the first person that I saw that really stood up for kids. And it kind of spread like wildfire across the country, which I think is really a good thing.
2: Yes. Oh, good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 other thing that's missing and we only have about three minutes here to chat, uh, which is sad because Mm -hmm. there's so much more to talk about, but the other thing that's really missing in in the schools and in the companies and in uh, the government offices is you know, having religion come back, having prayer, having Pledge of Allegiance, you know, patriotism, all of those things have have been really taken away, and we need to to bring them back, which is why I think that uh, the conservative movement has to develop these things on their own. So they have to have schools that are taught by conservatives, that are um, run by conservatives, because we're not going to find that in the school districts and the schools that we have now that are run uh, totally by progressive left. We're not going to find that.
2: Um, Linda, in our school here, uh, at least in the high school, they say the Pledge of Allegiance every morning, but they tell the students, if for any reason you don't want to pledge your allegiance, you could remain seated. (laughs) So that's trying to uh, have
3: it both ways. But when you're proud of something, you are confident and we got our young people are not confident like they need to be. And when you teach them, you teach them about a higher power, when you teach them about God and you give them pride in our country, that gives us confidence. And we've always been a confident country. And when you don't instill those values, it takes away our confidence. It makes us weaker. And I do not like that at all about what's going on.
1: No, it's a different place. And I think that, I think that the answers are in this generation. Um, in the parents that understand the the value of their God and religion in their children's lives, in the parents that understand the value of working hard and ethics and morals and um, teach them to their kids and their grandkids that's that's the only way forward. Um, we're mm-hmm. in an age of all about me right now and it's it's pretty uh, I don't even I don't know if these people that are all about themselves are really happy. You know, it's, I, I'm not yeah. seeing it, but I do worry. I do worry about countries like China coming in and you look at our youth today and who's going to fight for us. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, we don't have our, I don't feel like our military. And I pray that our military gets stronger and our borders get protected. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Ladies, this was a real pleasure. I hope we can do it again soon. There are so many more stories to tell and I, I, I just I feel that that the patriotic um, Americans that have really lived a life of hard work, ethics, and God uh, have a lot to say to America.
3: Yes, and we need to hear them. We love to have Molly on the show, and I just I would like to hear more.
2: Thanks for the opportunity to express our views,
0: Linda. Well ladies, that's a wrap. One more step for womankind.